Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We hope you find this message encouraging. It's uh, considering several several different things about our walk with the Lord and about what we we um, are called to do, and basically it comes down to this: sometimes we need to be reminded of what we're called to do, what what we're here for. Vision leaks, and vision leaks so much that it's um the way i always look at it, it's kind of like a tire with a slow leak in it i mean have you ever had a a tire with a slow leak in it about every three or four days you need to pump it up well vision is on a cycle of about 30 days uh nehemiah is one of the prime examples nehemiah was called to rebuild the wall in jerusalem he went back to rebuild that wall and it was a calling from god and he got the people behind him and he started rebuilding the wall and about halfway through that project everybody's like what are we doing why are we here why are we wasting our time what 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 is this all about somebody tell me how long that total project took 52 days so halfway through which is 26 days uh everybody kind of lost vision what are we doing here? Why are we going through this? Why, what, what's the purpose behind this? So roughly about every 30 days, we need to be reminded. We need to pump that tire up a little bit and remind ourselves why we're here, what we're doing. So over the last few weeks, we've talked about ministry. Uh, we've talked about fellowship. Last week, we talked briefly about evangelism, the way the service went. I knew there was no way I could cover everything I was wanting to cover. So I kind of swapped those two messages and um, this week, we're going to talk about being a disciple, especially in the days and times in which we live. So sometimes those, all those big words scare us, and sometimes we're not sure what they mean. Uh, literally, being a disciple means that you are a learner. You're learning something. Not so much anymore, but used to, if you went to college, uh, inevitably, somebody would say, what discipline? And you would say, well, education or psychology or uh, language or, or all these different things that we could name off. And that was the discipline. That was what the, the area in which you were focusing your learning. And so as a disciple, we are called to be a learner. Sometimes when we say being a disciple, we think about the 12. We think about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all those people in the Bible that are named off. And for the most part, those people are apostles. They were disciples, but they were learners of Christ. That's what, that's what it comes down to, is being a learner of Christ. So if we're going to be a disciple, in the biblical sense, we're going to be a learner of what Jesus taught and what he did. We, as disciples, are called to make disciples. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, we're supposed to replicate ourselves. It's not just enough to become a disciple. We are supposed to then go and make disciples of p other people and replicate ourselves, and then they replicate themselves. That's why from the day of Pentecost when it was roughly 120 believers in the upper room to over the next few centuries, the known world was declared as far as a Roman Empire national religion, 
Christianity was the religion in just a few short years. Now, Constantine was the one that did that. It wasn't so much because he was a good Christian, but because it was politically expedient for him to do so, because Christianity had grown so much. And so what we are supposed to do, what we're called to do, as we have talked about all this year, to know him, to love him, to make him known. That, in essence, is being a disciple. We know him, we love him, we go make him known. And that will change our world. Fact is, in this day and time in which we live, I think it's kind of a tough time to be a disciple. I, I, I don't think Christianity's in vogue right now. It's not popular for the most part. Fact is, there's a lot of people that condemn us for our views, say we're too strict, we're too old school, we're too this and that and the other. But ultimately, we are called to be learners of Christ, and whatever he said ought to go. Amen? So, uh, to know him, to love him, to make him known, and you're, you're sitting there saying, good preaching, brother. Wait, I have, to, I have to get in the front row to do this properly. Good preaching, brother. I hope they're getting it. <laughs> we get our shovels out, and we start, boy, boy, that's good preaching. I hope they're getting it back there. And so ultimately, what, where I'm coming from on this is we're called to be disciples, called to know him, to love him, to make him known. What is the biggest hindrance in our life, in the day in which we live, to doing that? What is the biggest time consumer, the biggest attention consumer that there is in our lives? What it, how, how can we best spend our time? And as I pondered this, I've been pondering this for several weeks and got an extra week to do it, which is not always a good thing for me because it gives me a chance to do more homework. <laughs> but we live, I think, in probably one of the, if not a unique time in history, probably the most, in my opinion, unique time in history. Of all the inventions that have ever come along that have changed human history. The printing press was one of those. Made it to where Bibles were accessible to anybody that wanted them, that books and higher education, learning, since we're talking about being a learner, learning took off. The Renaissance, the, the new age of, of enlightenment as far as education goes. The automobile would be another thing that changed humankind. Uh, telephones television, all those kinds of things. But I think probably the most human experience changing thing that has come along has happened in our lifetime. And so I want you to get in your purse or in your pocket, and I want you to pull this thing out right here. And the first thing I want you to do is silence it. <laughs> Since it's out of your purse and out of your pocket. The internet and this thing right here have totally changed humankind. Somebody tell me what the world population is right now. Anybody know? 7.6 billion people. Last year, I'll just let you guess, do you know how many connections of this thing right here there were? More. 7.7 billion. So there are more cell phone subscriptions on the planet right now than there are people. And you say, oh, there's no way. 
No, why? But how many of you have your phone, your watch, your iPad, or whatever device you use along those lines that has a subscription? So some of us have three, maybe four subscriptions. And that also includes some other things that we could throw in there that kind of dilute the, the, the saturation there. And that is like when we redid our, our fire alarm system here, it's now cellular. And that's, that's the big thing of the future is that everybody, that's the reason all the bandwidth for a lot, of, a lot of radio waves has been taken up because the cell phone saw that that was the way it was going. But it's gone from essentially nobody. How many of you can remember back? How many of you have had a cell phone since 2000, year 2000? Okay, 95. Oh, less. 1990. Nobody. <laughs> huh? Did, did, well, <laughs> oh yeah, it was a, it was definitely a bag phone if you had it back then, <laughs> and and then of course then they got to the size where you'd like hello, and, and answer it like that. But in the last few years, this has been the internet and this right here has changed human life more than we will ever realize. History happens in time. How many realized that whenever the Roman Empire was going on, nobody said, wow, this is going to be a unique time in the, you know, part of history. They were just living life. They were just going on, doing their thing. How many of you realized that when cars started catching on, that somebody didn't just step up and say, hey, this is going to be absolutely fantastic. There's going to be cars all over the place. They thought maybe it could happen, but they, they couldn't foresee that. So history happens in time. And I think whenever we realize that just a few short years ago, nobody had one of these, there was no such thing as the Internet. And, I mean, how many of you this morning have already said to your phone, what's the weather going to be like? Or checked the weather. Or checked your email. Checked your email. Do you realize that there's more people right now on planet Earth that check their email via phone than they do computer? Worldwide, there are more people that have a smartphone than they do a PC anymore, a desktop computer. So it, it is absolutely life-changing. Just a few things that I, I, I want to share with you along those lines. Um, it's uh, roughly, um, let's see, the average person touches their cell phone, okay, that's from in the morning whenever you open one eye and you hit the screen and wake it up to see what time it is to I got it and put it in my pocket, to I got it out when I got in the car and put it in the console, to I picked it up from the console, put it back in my pocket, put it up from my pocket to my desk or wherever you work. And so daily, the average person touches their phone 2,700 times. That's average. That's average. It says heavy users will touch their phone 5,400 times a day. If you've got a smartphone... You can actually go, open up your screen. If you've got an iPhone, it'll be under settings and then screen time. And you can see your daily average on how many times you pick up your phone and unlock it. The average amount of times for Apple users, and this should apply across the board to Android and all the others, the average person will unlock their phone 80 times a day. And I read that and I said, they're crazy. This week before last, when I had an exceptionally busy week, I picked mine up, unlocked it, went to screen time. I picked mine up, I averaged 91 times every day. 
So there goes that, just thinking that. But anyway, the average person will unlock their phone 80 times a day. Of course, if you're a heavy user, it's going to be more than that. If, if you're an average user, you will spend 3.4 hours a day on your phone. That's average. My challenge is sometime this week, if, uh, for uh, Android users, you're going to go to uh, battery usage, and it's going to give you an hourly thing on what you spend on Candy Crush and Bejeweled and all those other things that are all those games and stuff. So be, just be prepared to blush a little bit whenever you see it. I use mine for a whole lot of other things, and my highest thing, and it's, it's high, my usage time is on reading and reference, because, you know, I, I read and look at stuff. If I'm in the doctor's office or waiting in line somewhere, the instant thing that we all do anymore is grab our phones. I went to the doctor a few days ago, and I just took a moment, because this was on my mind, and I looked around in the office, and there was absolutely nobody looking around at other people. That number right there. Bigger cities that have uh, like subways and things like that, there's actually, a, this is documented. There was actually a guy that got on the subway. It was like a, I don't know if it's subway or elevated train, but one of those public commute systems. The guy got on the, on the, on the train and he's going to rob everybody. So he gets on there and they're watching this by surveillance camera. And he gets on there and he pulls a gun out of his pocket and absolutely nobody sees it. Nobody reacts. He doesn't get the, oh my gosh, there's a gun or anything like that. And so he looks around, nobody sees him. He puts it back in his pocket. He rides a little ways further and he pulls it out again. He gets his, gets his gumption up. I'm going to rob these people. And absolutely nobody saw him. And finally, he put it back in his pocket and he got off at the next stop. Didn't rob anybody. And that's the way we are. We spend our lives in this thing right here. So the average user will spend 3.4 hours on their phone daily. 3.4 hours every day, seven days a week. Okay? That amounts to almost a full day, 24 hours, that we're spending on our phones. In a week's time, just a little shy of 24 hours that we're spending on our phones. For all these kids that are coming up today with smartphones do you realize in a lifetime 11 years 11 years and yes i double checked my math for all of us that are average users 3.4 hours a day is the equivalent of spending january and february 24 hours a day on your phone every year and I thought to myself, as I started thinking about all this, I thought, what, what more life-changing thing could there be than this thing right here? And again, history happens in time. So we're not really cognizant of the future. We're not really cognizant of how all this is going to fit in. But you name me one thing that has occupied 3.4 hours a day of everybody's time literally around the world. Uh, a couple of other figures. Let's see. Um, in the U.S., there's 85 million iPhone users, and that, that accounts for 45% of the market. Android has the bigger share at 67%, and Chad's going, <laughs> I knew he would. I thought of Chad as soon as I read that. Uh, that same share 
was uh, quite a bit lower uh, just a few years ago. Just a couple of years ago, it was uh, the Android users had the large, large share, but it was only 42% of the market. Um, let's see here. There's a couple other things that I was going to tell you about. One cell phone subscription for every person on this earth. Actually, a little more than that. So that's our average. So if it is such a life-changing thing, if it is such a human condition that has changed how we do, how we function, you know, do, you, do y'all ever remember the time when we talked on our phones? <laughs> well, there's tons of people that don't do anything but text. Uh, there is one thing here I was going to, the average teenager sends, brace yourselves, the average teenager sends 3,300 texts a month. <laughs> and Hunter just went. <laughs> so you can look all that up sometime on your cell phone and see what your average is, how much you use it. But ultimately, it has changed how we, in this human condition, how we live, how we function, how we think. So if those are the pitfalls, there's great potential. We're going to talk about the potential that there is, but we're going to talk about the pitfalls first. What hinders us, the, the most life-changing thing that there's ever been, so how, what do we need to watch out for? Number one, it can waste my time. We've already talked about that immensely. If we spend 3.4 hours a day, that is um, basically 24 hours a week, 52 days in a year, over a lifetime, it'll be 11 years on your phone. Ephesians, Paul writes this. He said, be careful then how you live. Don't live foolishly. Instead, live as wise people, making every minute count. If we're wasting our time, if that's the first thing it can do is waste our time, then we've got to be wise about how we spend our time. Psalm 90, the psalmist writes this, Teach me to number my days that I might gain a heart of wisdom, that I might understand what, what, our, what our time is on this earth. Um, so, And I'm not necessarily saying it's bad. Believe me, I'm as techy as it comes. I've got an iPhone, I've got an iPad, I've actually got two iPads. Well, actually, three iPads, if you count the one that I don't use anymore. Uh, I love technology, always have. Fact is, I'm one of those people that back in the day, back in the late 80s into the early 90s, I had a Palm Pilot, and then I got a cell phone. So, man, I look like Batman. I had a utility belt, you know. <laughs> I'd have the Palm Pilot on this side, the cell phone on this side, and I remember the day, and my wife probably does too. I said, if they ever make something that does both, I'm fixing to have one. And ultimately, they did, and it's a whole lot better. Do you realize that every one of us, pick your phone up again, that is more computer, more powerful than what it took to get man to the moon by a thousand percent. A thousand percent, if you're average. If you've got a really snazzy phone, probably more like 10,000 times what it took man to get to the moon. We all do email, we all do documents, we all do internet, we all do text, we all do calls, and, and way, way, way more text and emails than calls anymore that go out on the phone. So ultimately, it comes down to this. It can waste a lot of our time. We've got to redeem that time. We've got to make good use of our time. And as I said, it's not all negative. I don't want you to think I'm down on it, but... You know, as Paul says this in Corinthians, he said, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And so what we need to do is consider 
this has been an eye-opening thing for me from the standpoint of thinking how much time I spend on this thing every day. If during my busy week, my average is picking it up and unlocking it to do something is 91 times, how many times do I pray? How many times do I even just say thank you, Lord, or praise the Lord for, for something that comes along? Ultimately, we're spending a whole bunch more attention and a whole bunch more time than we do. So that's number one. It can waste our time. Number two, it can influence my values. How many of you have ever read anything on the Internet that changed how you thought about something? Or you saw something on Facebook, and you said, well, that can't be. It might have got you riled up, or you might have said yes and amen, whatever it was. It can affect your values. But what it comes down to is we tend to look at things and, and see these advertisers are slick. How many of you ever went and looked at something on the Internet, and then when you got on Facebook the next time, <gasps> lo and behold, there was an ad right there that was of the same thing you just went and looked up. How many? Fact is, I've known some people that have done, if you don't think our phones are listening to us and watching us, I've, we've, we've, Angie and I have talked about it, we've done some experiments. If you just talk about something in the room with your phone, you can get on the Internet next time and there'll be an ad that'll come up. And fact is, my phone has figured out what I do every day. It's got to where on Saturday night, it comes up and says, would you like to set your usual alarm for Sunday morning? Yes, I would. How'd you know? <laughs> and how many of you go, hey, Siri? Hey, Siri. And she comes up and says, what can I help you with? Oh, I got a silence because I'm a good churchgoer. She came up and said, I'm not sure what, you, what you're saying. So anyway, on certain days, I do certain things and go certain places with regularity. So it comes up, and instead of telling me, like usually on, on a morning, it'll come up and tell me how long it is to get to the church. But on the days when I do something different or afternoons when I stop by here or stop by there on the way home, it'll give me that destination instead of home. So basically, advertisers have figured out what make us tick, and they are tapping into that. And that's why if you look something up, that ad comes up, and that gets you going somewhere else, and then something else comes up. And basically what it amounts to is these things can change our values. It can change how we think. If you go to YouTube a lot, guess what it's going to do? It's going to suggest the next video. And how many of you, instead of getting the sleep that you needed, You've set up watching cat videos. <laughs> and, oh, that's funny. No, that's not. And, yeah, that's funny. And then it's learning your habits. So what it does instead, I mean, you're like up till, like, you're bleary-eyed. And the next morning, you know, I can't believe I set up till 3 o'clock in the morning watching videos, cat videos. And so it learns what we're, what we're about, what makes us tick, and it tends to affect our values. And, and, and the Bible tells us this way. That anything that draws our attention away from Christ, anything that, that draws us to, to desire something is less of the eye, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. And simplified, if you if, don't let those terms throw you, blow you out of the water, but basically it's, it's the desire to have, to do, and to be. And sometimes our values get placed on what it is to have that. We see that and, oh, it'd be, if I could just have one of those. How many of you remember as a kid, you'd tell your parents, oh, if I could just get this for Christmas, I don't want to ask for anything else. And then your birthday, you were asking for something else. 
That's, that's the human condition. That's where we're at. We tend to do that. So what these ads do is keep moving the bar a little higher. We get this. We got that. Oh, look at that. Love to have one of those. We need one of those. That would make things so much easier. And so it begins to change our value. We, we get the desire to have, to do, and to be. And so it can, it can influence my values. It can waste my time. Number three, it can cause unproductive conversations. How many of you have ever got into a squabble on the Internet about anything? I mean, you read this post and you're like, I can't believe how dumb you are, but I'm not going to write that. You're just going to leave out the dumb part. I can't believe you think that way. And then they're back at you. And then you, well, I'll tell you this, and then I'll tell you that. And then, uh, hey, and there's some people that live just to catfish people. Amen? I mean, they are out there just trolling like crazy, and their, their whole goal in life is not which side of the argument they pick, it's that they get you arguing. And you know what? You can lose, you can lose your sanctification with that. Amen. You real quick, because I mean, I tell you, the, the few times I've gotten kind of sucked in on that, I mean, it's like, I can't believe you're alive. Boy, let my fingers through the top. And what we tend to be is we're keyboard warriors. Because we sometimes, I, I see people that I know that say stuff on the internet, I know they'd never say to anybody in person. Amen. <laughs> So ultimately what happens is we get drawn into these conversations and these arguments. And, and, and sometimes they're totally, there's some good things that can happen. And we're going to talk about the good things. I'm just talking about the negatives. We can be drawn into negative conversations. And uh, Titus chapter 3, Paul writes to Titus and he said, Never get involved in foolish controversies. And I'm going to guarantee you that most everything that's on Facebook, Instagram, and all that stuff are foolish controversies. Amen. So Paul says, warns uh, Titus then, don't get drawn into that. Matthew chapter 12, and this one's a little more serious. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> so what we got to do is be careful about what we say on the internet. And don't be drawn into unproductive conversations. Number four, I can be tempted to compete and show off for people. That's basically all social media is. Amen or oh me. Because what we do, ultimately, how many of you have ever logged on to social media and you looked at your friends' news feeds and you felt less than? Because I don't get to take vacations like that. And I don't get to go places like that. And I don't have a vehicle like that. Or a motorcycle like that. Or a Jeep. Or a boat. Or I can't ski like that. Or I don't, you know, I don't have perfect kids like that. Because, I mean, you... <laughs> Miss Emma gave a big amen. We'll have to have a conference afterward. <laughs> don't be drawn into unproductive conversations. That's back to the previous point. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I didn't mean to start a big controversy here. All right. <laughs> so ultimately, what, what it is all about, get this. Now, this is empir not empirical knowledge, it's just anecdotal. But they asked people to fill out a survey. How many selfies do you have to take before you post that perfect one? On average, at least these were the answers, girls, women, females, 
six pictures to get one. Selfies. This is not about anything else. This is selfies. For guys, four to get one. And I mean, y'all can go to my news feed and see I have to, I, you know, I have to just get that right one for mine. It's estimated of all the selfies that are uploaded to the internet, 70, at least 70% of them are photoshopped. At least. Because, you know, if you've got some, if you've got pictures, the, the, I was looking up some stuff and it gave an example. It was like this girl and her waist was like, but the trees, you know, next to her were like bent. <laughs> so she, she had photoshopped that thing in there where her waist was, was in like this, but the clouds and the trees next to her were going like that. So ultimately, it comes down to at least 70% of the selfies that are uploaded are photoshopped in some way. So what it all comes down to, and, and get this, another fun fact, just a side note, this, this, the millennial generation is on par to post, post 25,000 selfies in their lifetime. 25,000 selfies. Just a little fun fact there. <laughs> so ultimately, it comes down to this. What it does is it builds a desire in us. I wish I had that life. Because the, they've got the perfect marriage. They never have an argument because they're always out dancing. <laughs> Amen? They're always taking the fun vacations, and we can't even save up enough to, to get my car fixed and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and what it does is it builds that competition within us, and it is, it is part of human nature. And they're playing into that. And, 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 and what it does is it creates a desire in us to want to show off. Because how many of you have ever seen the picture of the... Whew, this is, this is where we get into the biblical stuff. How many of you have ever seen that picture that somebody's got their pumpkin, pumpkin spice latte and their Bible verse? And let's see, let me turn to Habakkuk because y'all have never studied Habakkuk. And so I'm going to turn to Habakkuk and I've got it highlighted and I've got my pumpkin spice latte right there. Let me get that just for all oh, my, my notes are a little messy, so I'm going to straighten those up. And what does it do? Well, I never get those kind of quiet times. I've never read the book of Habakkuk. I don't even know where it's at. Don't even know how to spell it, to look it up. And so what it is, it creates in us, not only do, do we see that and say, I wish I had that perfect life. I wish I was all that spiritual. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> hashtag humbled not <laughs> and so what it does is it creates something in us that says i'll never live up to that but then it's also a desire in that person to keep showing off and here's the thing that during this whole thing that came to me multiple ways it's hard to be in the moment when you're trying to capture the moment and it, it struck home with me in so many different ways. Number one, that person that's got their pumpkin spice latte right here, 
and, and, and their Habakkuk Bible verse highlighted just imperfect. If y'all can see my Bible, there ain't no highlight. There's highlighting in there, but it ain't perfect. And my, <laughs> my hand tends to wiggle a lot. So, I mean, my, my, when I underline something, I, get, I got, get up in the words. It's like, why did I do that? You wouldn't even want to see a picture of my Bible. But theirs is perfect. And so what it does is it creates in us a less than feeling. I'll never be that good. I'll never be that spiritual. I'll never be able to have those perfect kids. I'll never be able to have that perfect relationship. I'll never have that dream car. I'll never get to take that dream vacation. And so what it does is for the, the person that's posting it, we're posting for thumbs up and ha-has. I posted a thing yesterday on there, and it came up. First time I've ever seen it come up this way. It says, 10 people, ha ha it's like, I very rarely ever post anything anyway, so I haven't seen that come up that way. It said, 10 people, ha ha your thing. And it, it was the one about the, the deer corn, if you, if you let your wife put out the deer corn. And it's spelled out with corn on the ground, it's a trap. <laughs> and it came up and said, 10 or 12, how many ever people ha ha that? So what, what it happens, and, and scientists have proven this, that it comes down to that, that human nature draws us to seek that out in fact is it releases the same drugs the same chemicals in the brain endorphins and all that kind of oxytocin and all that kind of stuff that that drug users get and so what we do is well this post didn't do very well i'll delete it and i'll post something else that picture uh, that selfie of me didn't get get enough so you ever notice everybody knows how to pose these days I mean, when we were kids, we'd get pictures back after being in the camera for six months. <laughs> now, man, there ain't nobody stands like this anymore. There, even the guys. You look at the guys; they've got their feet just right. <laughs> kind of getting off track here. <laughs> But basically, it creates in us a desire for, for approval. That's the next point. It creates in us a desire for thumbs up and ha-has and likes and all this kind of thing. I want that positive feedback. And if I don't get that positive feedback, then all of a sudden, I'm not successful anymore. So I ask you this, and I'm not near done, but Zach's playing, so I feel like <laughs> better wrap it up. It's almost noon. <laughs> he started playing at the right time. I'll come back some other time. I don't know if it'll be next week, but I'll come back some other time. We'll finish up because there are some positives. It can help us spiritually. We can listen to podcasts. We can listen to music. We can worship. We can draw closer to God through those kinds of things. We can subscribe to emails and, and podcasts and texts that help our spiritual life. It's not all negative. Technology can help us or it can hurt us. The thing that just struck me during this was it's hard to be a disciple. It's hard to capture the moment. I mean, it's hard to be in the moment when you're trying to capture the moment. And what we do is we get these times, you know, it's hard when you're taking a picture of your Bible and got your pumpkin spice latte to sit down there and get next to God. And we're spending 3.4 hours on average. Yours, you know, mileage may vary. I'll guarantee you there's some of us that spend more than that on our phones, some that spend a little less. But the average is 3.4 hours. 
You show me somebody that spends 3.4 hours with Jesus, I'll show you a disciple. So what are we learning? If being a disciple is being a learner, my challenge is this. This week, when you reach for that phone, instead of doing that, why don't you just say a short prayer? Why don't you pray for the church? Pray for me. We all, I always stand pray for Zach. He's doing an awesome job with worship, but we need your prayers. And so this week and maybe next week, just take, take an account of your time. Whenever you reach for this thing, don't just do it mindlessly or subconsciously. Take a, take a thought. Say, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm spending my time. What can I do to spend my time better? What can I do to grow in Jesus instead of growing more in this? Amen? Let's, let's be those disciples, the people that are, are out there doing and replicating what, what we're supposed to be. So every head bowed, every eye closed, we're just going to pray. Father, thank you so much. We do thank you that we live in, in such a time as this. We are so close to your coming back. But, Lord, we don't want to waste our time. We don't want to spend it doing something that's unproductive or not going to accomplish anything great in the scheme of things. Lord, we want to spend our time getting to know you more. And so, Lord, help us to use the technology that you have placed in our day and time to better serve the kingdom instead of serving ourselves. So we thank you, Lord, for all the great things that you've done. And, Lord, for all those great things that we've got in store. And as we are cognizant this week of what we're doing with our time, Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to just make that uh, a time that we'd spend with you. Whenever we reach for that phone and say, what am I doing? I'm just wasting my time. And, Lord, we thank you for helping us in all of these areas.